Welcome to the GMH Podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The latest economic outlook from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce contains a dampered outlook. The federal Tories need a new leader. The Trudeau Liberals consider its options to deal with protesters on Parliament Hill, and that protest is likely to spread to Toronto. We chat with a nurse and roller derby player who helped vaccinate workers at a workplace in Stony Creek. The Beijing Winter Olympics are officially underway. It's another busy weekend for the Hamilton Bulldogs. And with the Super Bowl on February 13th, we want to end the debate when it comes to chicken wings. Which is better, drums or flats? The Good Morning Hamilton podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. The Ontario Chamber of Commerce sixth annual economic report is out and it shows a dampered outlook. Rocco Rossi is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Rocco. Good morning, Rick. And drums or flats, get out there and support your local restaurants who need your business. Absolutely. Do you have a preference? I, I'm a drums guy, i got to say. I, I, I won't spill the beans. Uh, i got to save it to 820, but I'm liking your style, Rocco. Um, <laughs> let's dive into this report here, and uh, it's showing a dampered outlook. So what did you uncover with this uh, with this survey? Well, look, it not surprisingly because uh, the year before the first year of the pandemic was so bad. Confidence uh, was up somewhat, but uh, only to 29% versus 21% the year before. And the big uh, dampers are uh, obviously supply chain disruptions, inflation, and the really big one, which is uh, labor shortages identified in over 62% of the sector's um uh, that were pulled. My guess is, you know, we're seeing that 29 percentile figure, which is a little higher, obviously, than 21 percent from from last year. Most business owners, employees, are at least a little more optimistic at this point, as opposed to this point last year, on where we're going in the pandemic. I, I think they can see the light at the end of the tunnel a little more clearly. Is that fair to say? A hundred percent. There's no question that the incredible progress made with uh, with vaccination, uh, with treatments, um, are giving people uh, that 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 hope that we're closer to the end than the uh, than the beginning. But it's not without complications going forward. When it comes to the focus of small and larger businesses, they're looking at a few different things, right? Yeah. And not surprisingly, Rick, because, you know, clearly, um, smaller businesses just have fewer resources in general than than larger, more well-capitalized businesses. So smaller businesses are focused on um, anything that affects the, the bottom line today. So affordability of, of issues, be it uh, energy or other input uh, costs. They're worried about the debt that so many have accumulated over the course of uh, of the various uh, restrictions and and closures that they've had to deal with over the last two years, whereas uh, the larger uh, companies are looking more at issues around uh, infrastructure. They're looking at workforce development to ensure that we uh, train the people to fill the, the jobs that are in demand. 
Rocco Rossi is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rocco is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, and we're chatting about the sixth annual economic report from the chamber that shows a dampered outlook. Um, It must be, um, I guess, somewhat thrilling to hear the chief medical officer of health here in this province saying that, listen, we got to live with COVID-19. We have to find a way to do so because it wasn't too long ago that you and other chamber members wanted some clarity on the long-term plan in this province. 100%. And and look, we we know, we accept that uh, living with it isn't, uh, isn't just a letter rip. That would be the the most dishonorable thing we could do to all of the people who've sacrificed both economically, health, and, and, and the deaths that have occurred. So, for instance, we, we learned to live with the risk of automobile accidents. But part of the way we learn to live with that is speed limits, seat belts, and improving technology every year in cars uh, to make them safer. And similarly, you know, issues of, of ventilation, the use of, of rapid testing, um, and, and a reasonable transition period that allows us to ensure that we've got this firmly in the rearview mirror is going to be crucial, not to mention that we still need to do our part, as do the other developed countries, to ensure that the rest of the world gets vaccinated. Because if you leave, as we've seen, billions of people unvaccinated, that's just saying to the virus, come here and mutate and then, you know, propagate in the rest of the world again. So there is uh, there are a lot of moving parts here, but no question. We simply cannot, cannot always have recourse to this blunt instrument of, of, of shutdown in large part. And the reason the biggest reason why we've had to turn to it far more often than other jurisdictions around the world is we have among the lowest ICU beds, hospital beds per capita in the OECD. Uh, and that means we go to redline on our hospital capacity far sooner. And that simply is not going to be sustainable going forward. We had hallway medicine before COVID. We have seen it exacerbated in COVID. We know there's a massive backlog of diagnostics, of surgeries, et cetera. And so the reinvention and even more investment in the healthcare system going forward is going to be absolutely crucial. Rocco, appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Likewise, and get out there and order those wings. You got it. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Lots of stuff happening on Parliament Hill these days. We have the federal Tories searching for a new leader. We have the Trudeau Liberals trying to figure out what to do with these protesters, which may, in fact, spill into Toronto. Kim Wright is the principal and founder of Wright Strategies and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Kim. Good morning and happy start of the Olympics. I was just watching the Canadian Olympians uh, walk in. So it's it's a nice thing to start off with on a Friday. Yeah. What did you think of their uniforms? I thought they, they needed a bigger splash of white as opposed to the burgundy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's way better than what we had for the Summer Olympics. Uh, I yes. was not a fan of the uh, the acid wash <laughs> uh, jean jackets, but uh, no, I think it's I think it's good. It's it's uh, I, I'd like to see the Canadian uh, 
bumps, as it were. Uh, so much better than the Summer Olympics, to be sure. Well, now that uh, Aaron O'Toole is out as leader of the Federal Conservative Party, what do you expect to hear from some of the main contenders when it comes to the protest on Parliament Hill? How do they attack this? Well, it's interesting because, as always, and as Aaron O'Toole found, there are many factions within the Conservative Party. You had, shortly after uh, the Conservatives voted themselves a new interim leader, a number of the Saskatchewan caucus, uh, including former leader Andrew Scheer, went out and and took photos with the the protesters. Um, So there's lots of division on how to move forward on this. I I think you're going to hear a lot from potential candidates about unity and how to bring forward the party, uh, which still has solid roots in both the old reform movement and some of those more populist roots and those who are still hanging on to those red Tory uh, ideals of how to be fiscally conservative, but uh, less social conservative, if you will. So it's it's going to be a challenging time for the conservatives, uh, both for Candace Bergen as interim leader and as they try to move forward. On the other side of the House, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says bringing in the military to disperse the so-called occupation in Ottawa is, quote, not in the cards. He doesn't dare do that, right? You know, what uh, What he says today versus if this continues on for another week is going to be co- continue to be problematic. There's certainly some talk about how do you sort of choke off some of those supply lines we saw on social media last night, uh, images of uh, some of the protesters putting together a hut and that's holding all of their propane tanks. That is dangerous on a number of levels, but uh, the the fact that they're, they're still allowing to be brought in supplies and continuing on uh, this, this, this encampment and occupation is, is certainly problematic. There are a lot of tools that they're at the, at the police's disposal. We'll see what the police chief in Ottawa says later this morning. Uh, but there are certainly lessons to be learned for Toronto and other jurisdictions that are going to be facing similar protests in the coming days uh, to get ahead of this early. Let people protest to be sure. P- true peaceful protest is fine. Uh, but when they start, uh, when it starts to become uh, a lot more than just a simple peaceful protest, that's when the police really do need to be much more uh, assertive in, in what are the rules and boundaries. Well, we do know that uh, more RCMP officers are going to be brought into Ottawa as of uh, today and this weekend. So we'll continue to monitor that. Kim Wright is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Kim is the principal and founder of Wright Strategies. We're talking about everything that's happening on Parliament Hill, and there's a lot these days. But some of that, as you mentioned, is going to spill into Queen's Park. This uh, truckers protest, the so-called occupation, will uh, be in Toronto, we hear, this weekend. What will that change, if anything, and how politicians and police respond? Well, that's the you know the million dollar question, the multi million dollar question. What I would always say to people is absolutely protest. There are places uh, to go to protest, including Queens Park. Uh, I think where you start to lose you know public sympathy is when you start shutting down hospitals because you're protesting in front of them. You know these are places for sick people, for people who are in some of the worst stages of of their life, and they don't need to be disturbed uh, by constant honking and blocking of loved ones being able to get into that. Go to go to Queen's Park for sure. Uh, don't go to politicians' houses and don't block the hospitals. That's going to be, I suspect, the message from most uh, politicians and law enforcement today. Back to the federal Tories, it sounds like the party wants to move a little further to the right. Is that the right move? 
I don't think that's where Canadians are. I think that may be where some of the politicians want to stoke fears, uh, fears and populism. Uh, and I think that becomes dangerous. I, you know, there's the courting of the Maxime Bernier PPC type of uh, voter. And there's a place for them to be sure in politics. But I don't think if you're running to be government of Canada that that's necessarily your approach uh, that you should be looking at. I think that's going to be a challenge for someone like a Pierre Polyev who really has been courting that that movement and trying to move more to the more to the right and more to that populism. And I think one of the choices that are going to be in front of of conservatives as they as they look towards their leadership race is going to be, okay, do we want to be a protest party or do we want to be a government and what does that look like? Uh, and Canadians have a uh, have writ large have a real challenge with uh, with some of the policies and processes that the Maxine Bernier types uh, are bringing forward. Kim, great stuff as always. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Have a great day. You too, Kim Wright's principal and founder of Wright Strategies. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It comes to a time where we're going to have to decide how many public health measures we'll maintain going forward and how we can try to maintain our mental, physical, social, economic, and educational well-being in the face of an ongoing threat uh, from this strain of viruses. That is the voice of Dr. Kieran Moore. He is Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health and um, basically saying that, listen, we got we to learn to live with COVID-19. How are we going to do that and how quickly will we be uh, forced to do that? It's also the focus of our Twitter poll question today at AM900CHML. And now that Mr. Moore has said, to, hey, we got to live with this thing, are you ready to do so? You can vote now at AM900CHML. Right now, 63% say yes, they are ready to start living with COVID-19. Again, what that looks like, we don't know. Still with COVID-19, very interesting story out of a business called Lou's Kitchen in Stony Creek, where they had a recent booster clinic for employees, their friends, their family. And it was uh, all administered, or at least the great help was given, by a nurse who just happens to be a roller derby player as well. Angela Armbruster is her name. She's a nurse and roller derby player with the South Simcoe Rebel Rollers, who administered booster shots at Lou's Kitchen. Angela, good morning. How are you today? Good. How are you? Not too bad. So how did all this come about? Well, we were approached by one of our sponsors, Ledbetters in Aurelia, and asked if we would do a clinic. And then... um, in combination with Lou's Kitchen as well. Uh, and so we absolutely on board those. Uh, Lou is a great sponsor. So uh, Lou's Kitchen is a great sponsor. So we obviously said, absolutely. There's two nurses on our team, me and uh, uh, Case Slay. And uh, we said, yeah, absolutely. We'll go down and we'll do that. So anytime we can give back to the community, we will do that. That's pretty awesome. So this happened back on January the 21st. What was the response like at Lou's Kitchen? It was awesome. I mean, they had people bust in and all the employees that were available to come to get their boosters did. Uh, it was an amazing opportunity for uh, all the uh, employees to not have to uh, take time off of work to come and get their boosters and to just be it's just really convenient for them to do that. So it was awesome of, of Lou's Kitchen to... Uh, organize that for them. 
That convenience aspect is a great point because let's not forget we're two years into this thing. And for, you know, the, the, the thought process behind anyone who hasn't been vaccinated is, you know, why, why hasn't this happened? Are you, are you anti-vax? And many people, a lot of people just have not been able to, I guess, find the time or coordinate uh, to get into a, a clinic. So it must have been, you know, as a healthcare professional, must have been nice to see that, yeah, this, this can be done for these employees. It was absolutely, there is a lot of um, misconceptions about some of that stuff in terms of, uh, we have a lot of new Canadians who uh, don't speak English and who are not sure how to go about um, getting their vaccinations. They don't have an Ontario health card and they're just kind of lost in the system. And, and so this opportunity for them to come in and do that was awesome. And obviously, so they embraced you and, and they were uh, probably very thankful because they didn't have to go through the online vaccination portal and all the rigmarole of, of what that entails. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was just convenient. They could come up and go back right back to work. It was uh, it was a win-win for everyone. How many people were given the shot at Lewis? Uh, at Lewis that day, I think we did just over 50 people. Wow. Nice. So yeah. added to the mix is that you're a roller derby player as well. And obviously you have an association with Lewis Kitchen because they're one of your sponsors. How is roller derby these days, by the way, during a pandemic? Very grim. Um, we, <laughs> we actually just got back on track last night, um, so we're super excited to be back and hoping for an amazing revival after all of this uh, stuff settles down, and hopefully we can stay on track this time and not have to go back to lockdowns. Uh, so that's what we're hoping for, and um, we're able to do that because of great sponsors like Luz, uh, who, you know, made sure that we could have a practice space and and things like that. So that's great. And, uh, you know, the vaccine can be thanked as well, because without that, I'm not sure you'd be playing at all. Exactly. Yeah. What kind of COVID protocols are in place for things like a roller derby event? Well, that's complicated. We do have (laughs) a return to play policy um, that was uh, actually designed by the women's flat track roller derby. It's called WIFTA. Um, so it's pretty stringent in terms of their stages of uh, being able to return uh, to play. Um, so as long as we're following the provincial guidelines and those guidelines, we're good to go. We do screen uh, every time uh, prior to coming into practice. We do mask up um, until we are actually on the track. Um, yeah, so we're doing everything we can to make sure everyone's safe. That's the way to do it. Angela Armbrister is our guest, nurse and roller derby player who helped administer booster shots at Loose Kitchen in Stony Creek a, a few weeks ago. How did you get the nickname or the name Armbreaker? Uh, just a play off of my last name. So Okay. Uh, yeah, not, not anything crazy there. Just... Well, I'm thinking you're a nurse, so if you break anyone's arm, you're right there to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And we do have quite a lot of breaks on the track, so... <laughs> there you go. Angela, thank you for the time. Um, congrats on, uh, you know, giving back to the community in, in this way. And keep up the great work. We're all behind our nurses and healthcare professionals. So thank you for everything that you've done during the pandemic. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having us. That is Angela Armbrister, nurse and roller derby player with the South Simcoe Rebel Rollers. Pretty neat story that Lou's Kitchen says, hey, you know what? We need to inoculate. We need to vaccinate our employees. How can we do so? in a safe manner and 
in a way where, uh, you know, these employees don't have to go through the loopholes if they, yeah, if they don't have a health card or they don't know how to work the internet or if they, you know, just have so many questions about the safety and security of the shot. And uh, so kudos to Lou and the staff there for getting this done. And of course, people like Angela for helping out as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics begin in, uh, well, minutes from now. And here to join us and talk about it is Les Carpenter, a sports writer with the Washington Post who is in Beijing, China. Les, good morning, or in your case, good evening. How are you? It is good evening. You're right. How, how are you doing? Fantastic. So the opening ceremony, what is to be expected? Yes, I'm curious to see. They've kept it under wraps. So uh, the only real hint you get is every once in a while, because we, we're, we're sort of confined here to uh, to the media center when we're in this area near the stadium. Uh, there aren't many places we can go at this Olympics because of all the COVID protocols. So uh, I, I've kind of just stood at the window of the media center. You can kind of see the bird's nest, and you can kind of see these towers nearby that have a lot of, uh, they superimpose a lot of stuff on them. And I've kind of been able to get just a little glimpse of that. But I would say this. I think it's going to be spectacular. In 2008, if you remember, it was a pretty spectacular opening ceremony. And this is this is sort of a, even though there's COVID and even though, you know, we're, we're sort of in restrictions here on the Olympics, in the city, this is a big deal. Uh, it, Beijing didn't think it was going to get an Olympics this fast again. They had it in 2008 in the summer. They put a bid in for this Olympics kind of just to get back in, the, you know, sort of the, the flow again. And then all of a sudden wound up with the games. And so I think this is sort of like a, a gift game in some ways for people. So I think it's going to be a big kind of robust celebration. And I think it's definitely something that China would like to show. It's what might it, uh, it believes it has right now. So I think that'll really come out in the ceremony. Beijing, China is the first ever city to host both a summer and a winter Olympics. This is also the second COVID era Olympics. What impact is it going to have in regards to protocols? What are you faced with on a daily basis? Yeah, and this one I think is even more severe than than Tokyo in terms of protocols themselves. Uh, Tokyo, we in the media and, and certainly those who were around the Olympics, not necessarily the athletes, they were a little more secluded, but anyone else who was sort of around the Olympics had some freedom to sort of walk around on the streets near the venues or near your hotels. You And after 14 days of being there, you were quote-unquote considered uh, you know, quarantined, so you could now go anywhere you wanted in the city. Beijing is going to make sure nobody goes anywhere. I mean, we are all in this together, athletes, media, uh, officials, whatever. We're all inside what they're called the closed loop, which is essentially just a whole series of bubbles. Our hotels have fences around them. This media center here where I'm standing now has a fence around it. Uh, I went to figure skating today. That, that building has a fence around it. There's the zoo right across the street. You can see everybody walking around and happy, and we're behind our fences. And I think that you're just, we're just going to see that. We get tested every day. They stick uh, sticks down our throats. There's, and that's even funny, too. There's a, a little hut outside each of our hotels, and a woman will stand there in the hut. To lean, they're basically coming out of the window of this hut are, are two gigantic rubber gloves that go all the way up to her, you know, first, really up to her shoulders. And she puts her hands in there, and she sticks this, uh, this stick in your throat, and that's how they take your, uh, uh, their, your, you know, your, your, your sample every day. So everything about it is very strange, very weird, uh, but it's just what it's going to be this year. And that's, yeah, in a COVID Olympics.
Les Carpenter is our guest on 900 CHML. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton. He's a sports writer with the Washington Post and is in Beijing, China for today's opening ceremonies and the rest of the games, of course. Now, these games come with some controversy given uh, China's human rights record. Will that at all overshadow the sporting event? Oh, I think it will. I think it will uh, completely. Even if it doesn't physically at these games, I think it does everywhere else. Certainly, it's the conversation back home where I am. And of course, I live in Washington, so maybe political conversations are a little more uh, magnified there. But I, I, again, I don't sense the excitement for this Winter Olympics the way there might be for another one. And maybe that's COVID. Maybe that's just the fact that there just was an Olympics. But I also think it's because it's in China and what's going on in China right now. Uh, I, you know, there was an IOC press conference yesterday. Usually, those things are a little celebratory. The you know, Thomas Bach, the head of the IOC, you know, talks about the games and maybe talks about future games and things. And essentially every question he faced yesterday for an hour was about human rights or Pink Shui, the, the tennis player who, you know, you certainly heard about during the fall or, you know, anything related to that. And it's, uh, everyone is very defensive uh, who is running this Olympics. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have some kind of an, uh, an impact. And I think that impact will sort of feed the excitement around the world that normally you would have for an Olympics. Les, is there an Olympian or an event that you're really looking forward to seeing? You know, first time I've ever covered figure skating, and I, I you know, I've been fascinated by the American uh, Nathan Chen. Uh, if you remember, he was supposed to be a gold medalist potentially uh, in 2018. He was 18 years old in Pyeongchang, and it just it was too much for him. He just didn't do very well, and in fact, he kind of quite out just bombed and. Uh, in his short program, and now it's all these years later. He's 22. He seems much more at peace with himself. Today, he came out for the the team uh, event, and just it just was like flawless in his uh, in, in his performance today. And you suddenly see, wow, this could be just one of the great Olympics for a figure skater, I think. And so he's the first one I think of. And another one I'll mention, just because you're in Canada, is uh, Kaylee Humphreys. The uh, the bobsledder, if you remember, she's the most decorated female uh, Olympic bobsledder ever, and uh, she left Canada for the United States. She just got citizenship uh, in December. Now she's going to compete for the U.S. and she's probably a favorite in uh, in the two women's bobsled event. So I think she's going to be interesting to watch because the U.S. isn't probably going to win that many gold medals, and for her to come here, I think will or to come to the U.S., I should say, will probably you know give the U.S. a shot at two medals that it didn't think it was going to have. Bob Slay begins uh, February 12th. Opening ceremonies getting underway in a matter of minutes. Les, really appreciate the time today. Enjoy Beijing, China, and the Winter Olympics. Well, thank you very much. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hamilton Bulldogs aiming to keep their perfect record in 2022 alive when they host Mississauga tomorrow in Peterborough on Sunday. Here to break it down is Reed Duthie, play-by-play announcer with the Bulldogs. Reed, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Not too bad. Uh, I think a little bit of trouble after the storm last night with the Wi-Fi. So we, we got it figured out, though. How's things with you? Uh, not too bad at all. Now, the last time we saw the Bulldogs, they were dismantling Kingston 5-2 to two on Sunday. A good sign that this team, it, it gets up for the biggest games. Yeah, and, and to do that against Kingston, who sit atop the Eastern Division three points ahead with uh, the Bulldogs holding a game in hand, uh, that is a great sign because that was without Logan Morrison, without Colton Kammer, and without, obviously, Mason McTavish, who's getting set to start the Olympics. 
So without three major players in the lineup, three leaders of this team, the captain and uh, two of your, your most talented offensive players, to do that to the Kingston Frontenacs, who outside of missing Maddox Collins, that was pretty much their full lineup. That's big for this Bulldogs team confidence-wise moving forward. They take two out of three over two weeks against the Frontenacs. That's big. Kingston and Hamilton, as you mentioned, one, two in the east. Uh, Oshawa and Ottawa tied for third slash fourth, and then Peterborough is way down in fifth. The the Bulldogs and the Frontenacs have really separated themselves from the rest in this division, haven't they? They certainly have, and I, I don't think it's a surprise when you look at the talent on the roster, Rick. Uh, Kingston can run a really impressive uh, top six, deep defense. The Bulldogs, I, I think, as deep as any team anywhere in the league. I know it's a little bit tough to say that because we haven't seen the Western Conference in person, but if you look at what this Bulldogs team can be at full strength, uh, I don't want to say that they're definitively the deepest, but I don't think there would be anybody deeper than what this Bulldogs team is. So that's why I think that those two teams are, are going to continue to set sail in the East Division. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Reed Duffy. He's the play-by-play announcer of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Hamilton is hosting Mississauga tomorrow afternoon and Peterborough on Sunday afternoon. Both games are at 4 p.m. You can get your tickets, hamiltonbulldogs.com or at Ticketmaster. Now, they're not facing the front necks this weekend, but Hamilton has two big, game, two big games, as I mentioned, including tomorrow. And this Steelheads team is number one in the OHL. Yeah, and the Steelheads just don't give up goals, Rick. The, the combination of Roman Bazarin, and Joe Ranger and Ned have been fantastic and really come out of nowhere. I mean, Roman Bazarin is a guy who was waived in the WHL at the beginning of the year, and nobody in the W picked him up, and now he's one of the best goaltenders in the Ontario Hockey League. Mississauga has allowed a league-low 93 goals against. Hamilton has scored an Eastern Conference high 149 in 35 games. Something's got to give here, and if you're the Bulldogs, you want it to be a bit more of a track meet against the Mississauga team that when they've had success against Hamilton, it's by clamping down almost reminiscent of the, the New Jersey devils in the mid nineties with a great goaltender and a solid defense. Just take your time and space away and keep you to the outside. The Bulldogs want to speed that up and get to the middle of the ice. Winter Olympics officially underway in Beijing, China. The uh, official opening ceremonies have been held. Mason McTavish, a Hamilton Bulldogs, is with uh, Team Canada for the men's Olympic hockey tournament. What do you expect out of Mason at this tourney? I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I mean, if you look at the talent, uh, Rick, that's going to this tournament, uh, Mason can, can make his way up into that top six. He played a top six role in the, the Swiss League last year as a, a 17 going on 18-year-old. He is not going to be outclassed at this tournament by any stretch, and I, I think he's going to turn a lot of heads uh, for people who maybe didn't get to see him play at the National Hockey League level with a lot of his games being on the West Coast with Anaheim. They're going to get a good look at just how good, just how talented Mason McTavish is. And with, as we talked about last week, some pretty darn good Canadian talent around him, Eric Stahl, for instance, uh, he's going to have an opportunity here to really shine. Going to be a tough tournament for the Canadians, uh, the Russians taking a KHL All-Star team, the Swedes, the Finns, uh, the Czechs. I mean, they came loaded for this tournament, but the Canadians could be sneaky here with a lot of talent that's playing overseas and, and a young guy in McTavish up front. Should be fun to watch. Bulldogs will be fun to watch this weekend. Reed, thanks for the time. Have a great call this weekend. Thanks very much, Rick. Always a pleasure, and here we go again. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Four years ago, he was a senior in high school in tiny Fort Payne, Alabama. 
Now the Bengals Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. Yeah. It yeah. is good. Oh. Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. That is unbelievable. Yes, the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. The Bengals? Yeah, they'll take on the Rams in Los Angeles. SoFi Stadium, February 13th, should be a barn burner of an NFL title game. That is one debate we can have on which team is going to win. But I think the more important debate as we get set for our menu on Super Bowl Sunday, we know Chicken Wings is going to be there, right? Are you a drums person or are you a flats person? 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. You can email rick at 900chml.com. On Twitter, at am900chml. At Rick Samprin, are you a drums person or a flats person? I'm going to flat out tell you that I'm a drums person. There's no debate here. There's more meat on the bone. End of discussion. You can eat them with one hand. Knockout punch. All right, flats have less cartilage, but I like the cartilage. And flats might be easier to dip for some, but I mean, you got a drum, you're dipping that thing. I'm a drums kind of guy. Are you drums or are you flats? Sonia says drums. Uh, On Twitter, Alan says both are my faves. So no one like or retweet. Not sorry. You can like or retweet on our Twitter account at Rick Samprin at AM900CHML. Also on our CHML Facebook page, Alan says both. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can do both. I know they come hand in hand. I know it's part of the wing apparatus, the appendage of a chicken, but at the end of the day, you got to pick one. Are you a drums person or are you a flats person? 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your mobile device. You can also email rick at 900chml.com and on our Twitter feed at am900chml at Rick Zamprin. All right, if you are a flats person, you'll be you'll be happy to know that Joey the Jaws Chestnut, yes, the competitive eating champion, the 2017 winner of the US Chicken Wing Eating Championship in Buffalo, New York, says, quote, I prefer two bone wings. AKA flats, they have less cartilage and I can get the meat off easier. All right, if you're in a eating competition, and you're trying to swallow 97 wings in five minutes, I can understand. The two-bone wing is the way to go. It's aerodynamic. It's in and out of the mouth in a hurry. Bingo, bango, bongo. You're winning that competition. Yes, flats for eating competitions. For the pure enjoyment of eating a chicken wing, drums is the way to go. One hand, more meat. If you're a cartilage fan, it's a win-win-win. The founder and original GM of the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, which came up with the chicken wing, says, quote, I'm a huge fan of the drum. Amen, James Gazer. He's six foot six, 280 pounds, and says, I like the meatiness and taste of the drum. The flat is harder to work with. This is the debate to end all debates. Where do you stand? 905 645 3221 star 9900 on your cell email rick at 900chml.com kj says (laughs) drums or flats both but 
it has to be spicy. All right, I don't know if we want to wade into a different debate on whether it's hot wings or mild wings. We're just talking drums and flats. It's an either or. It's black and white. There's no gray area. Rick at 900CHML.com if you want to email. On CHML's Facebook page and on our Twitter feeds at AM900CHML at Rick Samprin, where you can either retweet or like. Retweet for drums, like for flats. Right now, flats is in the lead. Five likes to three retweets for the drums. Yay. I don't know. I'm a drums guy. I'm saying those five who are voting for flats have not fully realized the deliciousness and the meatiness of the drums. So as you get set for your Super Bowl bash and you're laying out the wings, if you're a flats person and you haven't had a drum in a while, go over to the drum side. You will not be disappointed. Uh, You can also vote on CHML's Facebook page. And while you're there, hey, give us a like as well. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Are you a flats or a drums person when it comes to chicken wings? Again, me, it's, it's the drum. This is no contest. And this is the luxury that I have in my household. Because my wife is a flats fanatic. Will not eat a drum. I'm like, all right. This is a match made in heaven. You and I were destined to be together because I'm a drums guy and she's a flats girl. And uh, it is like, I I don't know, PB&J. It goes hand in hand. And we get along just fine when wings are on the table. There's no fighting. The fighting that happens is my daughter and son are also flats people. So I am living large when chicken wings are on the menu at dinner. I think I've convinced the entire planet that drums is the way to go. If I made a compelling, <laughs> a compelling enough argument, more meat. That's it. End of discussion. Thanks for listening to the good morning. Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from five 30 to nine on 900 CHML and online at 900 CHML.com. The good morning. Hamilton podcast is available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free. So you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.